chapter 6, and um, going to read verses 9 through 13, familiar passage of scripture, I would dare say, to probably every one of us, and um, it's not it needs to be, it needs to be familiar to us. We're going to look at it here for just a few moments tonight, the Lord willing. Matthew chapter 6 and beginning with verse number 9, Jesus of course is speaking and he says, after this manner, after this manner, therefore pray. Now please note, he didn't say, when you pray use these words. He didn't instruct us to just repeat this and call it a prayer. But he said, I'm going to show you the manner of prayer. So after this manner, or we could put it this way, in this way, after this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know what? I think this is familiar enough. Some of you are looking for the words you know what in that prayer, but that's, I stopped. All right. Uh, He said, what translations he's reading from? Um, I think it'd be good for us to read this collectively tonight. We don't do that much around here, but I think it'd be good if everybody read this out loud together. You don't have a Bible with you in heaven, bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hallelujah. After this manner, Jesus said, you ought to pray. I don't, I don't intend to start another series on prayer and don't really know that this is um, attached to our previous series on prayer, but we're going to talk a little bit more about prayer tonight. I, I want to talk about the proper perspective in prayer. 
Because there's something about the manner in which the Lord prayed that I think we need to pay attention to. I'm afraid that we're really not matching our prayers to the manner he gave us. All right? And uh, if he wants us to pray after this manner, then I think we ought to be praying after this manner. All right? Praise God. So we're going to talk about the proper perspective in prayer for just a few moments here tonight. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Everybody, let's, let's, let's ask him to speak to us. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship him one more time before we're seated tonight. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. Still on prayer. And uh, based it uh, partly on and also Paul uh, who wrote importance of prayer, and I, I do feel that we would be remiss if we didn't at least take some time and talk about what the Lord had to say on this subject, and, um, and yet, as I said, it really is not, I, I can't really call it a tag on uh, to what we've been discussing, because we're going to look at things from just a little different perspective tonight. Uh, I think then the way that we normally look at uh, the topic, the subject of prayer. Now, I, I don't even know how many times in the last 22 years alone that I have been here uh, at New Life, I, I don't know how many times that I have, I have uh, preached or taught uh, and made reference to... Uh, I, uh, taught lessons on the principles such as the fact that Jesus opens with uh, words of praise and closes with words of praise and and, and I've gone through some of those things. But there's something else about this prayer that I really want to focus on tonight. And it's so simple. And yet, if I could say it this way, its simplicity far supersedes its profundity. 
Uh, there is something about it that I think needs to become a framework of our prayer life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I think this may be uh, perhaps some of the most important principles of prayer that we may find anywhere. Now let me start by reminding you of something that I've said many, many times. Uh, it, it seems to be uh, redundant, seems to be unnecessary, but I just want to remind you that words mean things. And, and I believe the Lord always chose the way I meant it. Uh, there have been times I've used the wrong word. Um, you know, and, and conveyed the wrong message. But I don't believe that ever happened to our Lord. I, I just think at least with those things that are recorded. If it ever happened, it's not recorded in the scripture. I just believe that everything that is recorded, whatever he spoke, he chose his words carefully, trying to teach us things even in his choice of vocabulary. All right? And, and so I think that we need to take the time sometimes to pay attention to the specific wording that the Lord chose to use. So I don't believe he wastes any of his verbiage. When God speaks, he says what he means, and he means what he says. Everybody's with me tonight. Now, what I want to do, we're going to go back and read this prayer again. But there is something that I want you to notice this time as we read it. Um, this is, as I said, simple, and yet it's profound. Um, and and I, I say that because I think we have spent so much time focusing on the requests, the themes, the, the purposes of what was said um, without paying attention to the specific terminology and especially when it comes to the use of personal pronouns. Now, I just lost about two-thirds of the congregation. I'm not going to try to teach you a grammar lesson tonight, but I want to tell you that pronouns do matter. Now, a pronoun is a word or words that are used as replacements or substitutes for nouns and noun phrases, uh, and they have a very general reference. Um, when, when we talk about pronouns, and specifically personal pronouns, we're talking about words like, you're, you're with me. Have to when I when I'm talking up Brother Thompson, I don't have to keep saying Brother Thompson over and over and over. 
We're glad Brother Thompson's here. Brother Thompson is a good preacher. Brother Thompson uh, does a good job at leading the service. I don't have to keep using his name. When I've identified him, I can then replace it with a pronoun and just say he. And once I've identified it, we know to whom I am referring when I use the word he. All right, everybody's with me. Now, I, I want us to look at these personal pronouns, these words that would refer to the speaker or to the one about whom uh, that speaker is speaking. Amen. As I said, words like I, we, he, and I want you to notice the personal that the Lord used in this prayer. All right? Read for me. After this, or after this manner there. Okay, now, at this point, we start Father the Lord's Prayer. So let's... Be name. All right, the next one's... Thy. thy. Everyone say thy. All right. Thy kingdom. All right. Come. The next one is thy. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. There it is again. Thy will be done. All right. As it is in heaven. Give us. Give. This. Here's another one. Give us. us this day. Our daily bread. Wait a minute. Give us this day. Our daily bread. And forgive, and forgive us. Ours. From evil. For. Thine. Is the kingdom. And the power. And the power. And the glory forever. Amen. Does anybody notice the glaring absence of a particular personal pronoun? No? All right, well, let me point it out to you. He repeatedly said our, or we, or us, or thy, or thine, but not one time in this prayer did the Lord ever say, me, or I, or my. Well, I want you to notice when Jesus said, this is the way I want you to pray. His instruction led us to pray much, much differently than the way most of us pray. Come on, let's be honest about it. Let's be honest about it. The, the only references Jesus ever made in this prayer to anyone on earth is when he used the words us or our or we. Now, if you notice, all of those words are plural. Us, our, 
we. I want to tell you that had we put together this prayer, any of us, if we had been honest about the way most of us pray, we would have put it this way. My father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. For yours is the kingdom and the and the glory ever. Amen. Can we be honest? That's the way we pray. But Jesus said, I want you to learn something. I want you to understand something. When you come to me, I want you to get a bigger picture than just you and your situation. Oh, help me tonight, Jesus. Now, we had a good spirit going here during pre-service prayer, good spirit during the singing. I don't want to kill that right now, but I'm just going to tell you, the Lord wants us to recognize it's not all about us. We are part of something that is bigger than what we are. We're not alone. We are not in this by ourselves. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. There is something here that we need to recognize. Oh, hallelujah. Now, he does not even once use the singular personal pronouns. He never says me, I, my. But it's always plural. There is always a collective sense. But even then, I want you to look at it again. All right? I want you to look at it again. Let's, let's go back and let's see what the real focus of this prayer is. Because words like our and we appear only a couple of times. Oh, it's quiet tonight. What happened to all the shouters that were here a few minutes ago? Father, hallowed be thy name. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this now day. he says give us. He comes back to us. Give us this day. Our daily bread. We recognize a couple of things about this prayer really jumped out. First of all, nowhere in this prayer was suspending time praying only for his own situation. And secondly, it seems he was a lot more on God and God's team than he was 
even on us as a body. Oh, hallelujah. Well, praise God. Amen. This prayer both opens and closes with a focus on God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Lord is teaching us our prayers ought to focus on God and on others much more than they do on ourselves. Help me, Jesus. I feel this tonight, church. I'm telling you, I I believe that there's some key to real effective praying if we can get a hold of this tonight. We spend way too much time worrying about ourselves, our situations, what's going on with us. All we can get focused on when we get into a time of prayer is me, 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 me. It's all about me, but I'm telling you, it's not all about me. I really need to be concerned about how it's affecting the kingdom. Well, hallelujah. My batteries went out. Now I sound like I'm talking in a barrel up here, so I'm going to let him fix that, but I'm going to keep on preaching in the meantime. Amen. Somehow, we've got to understand that we spend way too much... No, don't do that. It's going to ring. Cut it back. Uh, We spend way, way too much time focused on our situations and praying, honestly, selfish prayers. We really do. We are so focused on us, on us, on us. And by that, I mean on me. When I pray, vigils, we do what we say, whatever, tell you everything has to be connected to the when I go out in prayer, I'm gonna have to learn to focus my prayers more on God and on His kingdom than I am on my own situations. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to make do tonight. You just, you just keep responding. I'm going to keep preaching. Amen. And I'm going to hook things up while I'm preaching. Praise God. Amen. Read for me James chapter 4 and verse 3. I want you to hear what the apostle James had to say about our prayers. Ye ask and receive not because ye All right. Now, ask. look, we, we often folk. In fact, bro, Brother Josh, put, put verse 2 up there for me, would you? I didn't put that in the list, but it's all right. We'll just read it off the wall here. James chapter 4 verse 2. What, what does James 4 and 2 say? Ye lust... And have not ye kill and dis- desert him. Desire, Desire to, to have, have and cannot obtain. So many times. Well, you ask you that, you're going to have to hook me up back there, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, look, focus on verse 2 that you have not because you ask not and I believe that. I believe that but I want you to go ahead and look again at verse number three you got me hooked up there 
All right, all right. I want you to go back and look at verse 3 again. Read for me what verse 3 says. You ask and receive not. because You, you ask, ask and now listen, listen, listen. Here's the thing. We focus on the fact you don't have it because you've never asked. But then James turns around and says, but now some of you are asking. You ask, but you receive not. Why do you receive not? Because you, because ask. you ask amiss. What does it mean to ask amiss? Well, I'm praying against the will of God. Well, now look, that's not the way that James defines it, all right? He said you ask amiss when? That, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Here's what he said. I'm going to tell you the reason why so many of our prayers are not getting answered. Because we're spending far too much time praying for what we want. We're focused on what we want, on what we think we need. Oh, hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something, church. If we can get a revelation of praying after the manner that Jesus gave us, if we can really get the perspective that Jesus gave us, and we start praying for the kingdom, we start praying for the kingdom, we start praying for the kingdom, God help the church, God help the church. God, you know whether I need this job or not. How's it going to affect the church? Oh, I feel like preaching a little bit here tonight. God, you know whether I need that new car or not. How's it going to affect the church? Ah, God, give me a revelation of this. Let me understand. Everything I do, I'm a part of a body. And everything that I do is going to affect the kingdom in one way or another. My carelessness in prayer, my carelessness in worship, my gossip about a brother or a sister, everything I do is going to have an impact upon the kingdom of God. And we got to get a perspective. It's not about me. Hallelujah. reason he said your prayer is not being answered because you're praying for things that are simply a result of your own praise amen but he is saying here's the reason you're praying only impact you you're praying from the perspective of how you think you will benefit from this well praise God amen you are praying only from the perspective of what am I going to get out of this well, but somewhere, somehow, somebody's got to get a revelation. Somebody's got to get a hold of something and start praying, God, the only reason that I need this or don't need this is because of how it's going to impact the kingdom of God. God, don't give me anything that's going to hurt the kingdom. God, don't give me anything that's going to be a, a, a drudgery to the kingdom that's going to have an impact upon the kingdom 
Oh, hallelujah. God, you know whether that raise on the job is going to make me become more careless in my prayer. You know, God. So I'm asking you if it's going to hurt the kingdom of God, don't let me have it. Just let me keep on struggling. If that's what it takes for me to stay on my knees, let me keep on fighting this fight. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that, that Sunday morning I talked about the body. I, honestly, I was just trying to follow the Holy Ghost. I don't have any notes, so I don't even know what things I covered and didn't cover. And this may be redundant, and I may have said it before, but I just feel like saying it tonight. Amen. So many times I've had people call me and say, well, you know, we took a job. We came into this city because of a job. We, we, we came here, you know, because of a job, and now we're looking for a church. And I'm going to tell you, you got everything upside down. You don't take a job and then find a church. Well, you got to know where you're going. I'm going to tell you something. Hey, man, you better decide whether there's a good Holy Ghost filled apostolic church before you ever decide what you're going to do. You don't say, I'll get there and find one if you do your perspective. It's not on the kingdom. It's on yourself. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, I'm not trying to be hard. Get about looking around for because of the money's sake. You better say, God, what's your will in this matter? And if it's your will for me to go hungry for a little while, hungry and I'll trust you because you know what's best for the kingdom and God you've got a plan that's so much bigger than anything I could devise oh I wish to God some people would understand how important you are to the church of the living God you'd understand tonight it's not just about you and you go out here and you decide well I'm just going to do this wrong or I'm going to do that wrong and all you're thinking about is yourself but you got to understand you're having an impact upon the kingdom of God somebody else is going to be affected by what you're doing and I can't just live for God based strictly upon me and what I want but I got to understand when God saved me. He made me part of something bigger. Impacts the kingdom. Oh. Well, maybe I'll get through this. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 26 and 27. Read for me. 1 Corinthians 12. And whether one, whether member, one suffer, member suffer. All the members suffer with Wait a minute, wait a minute. If just one, if just one member is suffering, well, the church, the rest of the church will be okay. No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. 
He said, if just one member is suffering, what happens? You don't understand it. You don't recognize it. But I'm telling you that when one person suffers, everybody, when you decide, I'm just going to get carnal for a week or to fight in the battle, really feel like praying, Andrew. When you do not just you that's being impacted by that but the whole body is being affected by one member look this is not to be negative it's to help you to understand that God brought you here and God put you here for a reason because if one member suffers all the members suffer also but that's not the end of the verse what else did he say can you find it? Yeah. Or if one member be honored, all the members are going to rejoice with it. I'm going to tell you, when you start doing what's right, and you say, I'm going to get up and pray early, and I'm going to get a hold of God, you don't understand this, Andrew, but the rest of the church is going to benefit when we come back together. I'm going to tell you the reason why sometimes we come in and sometimes we have glorious church and sometimes it's a struggle just to get our hands up. You want to know why? Somebody in the body hasn't been where they need to be. 
But now look, 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 look. It's not a death sentence because an infection gets in. It doesn't mean the body's got to die. What it does mean is the rest of us that are doing right, we're just going to have to put forth a little bit more effort. We're going to have to give it a little bit more of what's in us until we get this infection out of us. anybody intimidate you about your worship don't you ever let anybody make you feel bad if you're the only one up here that's jumping up and down and clapping your hands and dancing and running don't you ever let any thought cross your mind that I gotta stop this no 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 I won't tell you what's gonna happen you just keep on letting God honor you you keep on letting God bless you and it's gonna start infiltrating the whole body and the whole body is gonna get blessed and the whole body is gonna rejoice How many times have we seen it? Hey Amen. The worship service is going, but it feels like we're kind of up against a wall. We can feel some liberty. But one member, everybody is honored as a result. Jesus hallelujah I've only covered a little bit of my notes I hadn't really even gotten where I want my time's almost up but I feel I feel like I'm in the perfect will of God right where I'm at right now if I don't make it any further into this prayer I can come back pick it up another time but I feel like God is talking to this church right now listen to me church I've said it before and I say it again and I'm not saying it to hype you up I'm not saying it to get you all excited I'm not saying it just to hear myself say it but I'm telling you I believe with every fiber of my being that this Some of you, how we've heard, no, you haven't. No, you have not. I've talked to you about, uh, I've talked to you about fighting, but I've never made that 22 
two years. But I'm telling you now, what I feel deep down inside of me, there is one big battle that we've got to fight and win. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, church. I've told you this is not my battle to win. This is your battle to win. I feel like the Lord told me it's your battle to win. I'm putting it in your hands tonight. But I'm telling you, if just a few of you will start seeking that deeper place in God, start going after the things of God like you've never gone before, God is going to start honoring others. And as you get that desire stirred up in you, God's going to stir it up in somebody else.
I'm not, I'm not, you know, church, you know, in 22 years, I don't, I don't single people out. I might call their names. I don't, I might call their names once in a while just to make a point, but I, I don't single people out, but I'm just doing what I feel tonight. I'm doing what I feel tonight. Sister Becca, start stirring it up in some other heart. Red starts honoring us to the body. So you just keep it up. Don't give it up. Don't quit. Brother Thompson, Brother Josh, thank you for the mornings you've been here praying. You for the times that you've been here getting a hold of God. I'm telling you, don't get weary in well doing. You just keep on praying. You just keep on praying. You keep on praying. You keep on praying. Brother Weems, thank you for the two plus hours that you pray before every service. Don't get weary in well doing. I'm going to tell you, God is going to give you a prayer partner. One of these days, there's going to be another Brother Weems that's going to get here and they're going to be doing the same thing. And then before long, that duet's going to become a trio. And then it's going to turn. Watch, I don't know what time it is. We use the term, today we use the term worship leader to speak of somebody who would be up leading the singing and trying to direct the people to praise. And that's become the worship. Well, I'm just honest with you. Seen it happen. Ain't anybody worship. Now they're trying to command folks to worship. I was talking to Brother Merriman uh, the other night, last Tuesday night, I guess it was, when he's here to preach. And after service, he was reminiscing about some of the lessons that I gave him and the young preachers that, uh, that, that God's helped me to raise up. And he said, you know, he said, you, I, I, I remember you telling us you can't get up there and just tell them to worship and tell them to worship and tell them to worship. Somebody that doesn't care about what anybody else thinks care about what anybody is doing there may not be another in service that's even attention they 
are worshiping God. You know what they're doing? Eating the worship. How old are you? You had to think about it. Are you having to add and subtract? 14. Let me tell you something. My mom's sitting over there, and she can testify to the fact. When I was 12 and 13 years old, I was the worship leader. Not behind the pulpit, but I was on the front row of every service. I wasn't playing games. I wasn't writing and scribbling a book. I was down here worshiping while everybody else, some of them sometimes, I had young people raised in the church. Am I telling the truth, mom? Am I telling the truth? Now, you don't have to agree with me just because you're my mom. I know that. I know that. I love you. Now, look. I'm telling you, I had, there were other young people. Get a great teacher. I got her to come to church one night. She was blown away at the way I was at. That's right. Now I know, I know some of you are not going to believe this, but it is the truth. I didn't cause any problems when I was in school after I got the Holy Ghost. That's right. I didn't cause problems in school after I got the Holy Ghost. And honestly, I sat, I paid attention, I was respectful to my teachers. The way Holy Ghost filled people are supposed to be. And I had sat so quiet and, and paid such strict attention during class that my teacher honestly wondered if something was wrong with me because I was not because my teacher was sitting there that been any other night. I didn't care who was around. I was thankful what God gave me. And I wasn't doing it to try to get others to follow. I was doing it because I loved Jesus and it was the right thing to do. And I worry, you hear me tonight, I worry about you young men just sitting here with your hands in your pocket. You're not doing anything. You young ladies just sitting there looking around. I worry about that. You young people ought to be starting a fire in this church. You ought to be getting something going around here. Ignite a fire! 
Jerome, you hear how heavy I'm breathing right now? After just a little bit of exertion, that's where I'm at at 58 years old. That's why I'm not still on the front row, jumping and running like I used to. But somebody's got to. And you're not going to get winded like I am. And you've got a whole lot more energy than I've got. And you know what, Jerome? Listen to your pastor for a moment. When I came in and I was a worship leader, my mom and my dad were not in church. There was nobody there but me. But I still let everybody else in worship. You don't have to wait until you got a Pentecostal pedigree to become a worship leader. You just get in there and give it what you got. I'm scared to look at my watch. I'm scared to look at my watch. I feel like it's a Sunday night around here is what I'm feeling. And I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. What we experience on Sunday night ought to become what we experience on Tuesday night. ought to be our Tuesday night church and what happens on Sunday night ought to be up about 10 levels above where it is Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I really believe if I had the energy, and if my body would hold up, I honestly believe, Sister Jasmine, I'd still be doing it. But you know, I tried to turn loose a little bit Sunday night, threw my hip out of joint, hobbled for two days. Did I tell the truth? I hobbled for two solid days. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. So you know what's got to happen, Jasmine? Sometime you're going to have to shake this thing off of you. And you've got to get back to that joy of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the devil wants you beat down. The devil wants you depressed. The devil wants you throwing in the towel. But you hear your pastor tonight. You've got a key role to play. And you're just going to have to worship your way through this. Nobody's going to be able to talk you out of it. Nobody's going to be able to counsel you out of it. You're going to have to just make up your mind. I don't care if I feel it or I don't feel it. I'm going to worship God until it breaks. Oh, Jesus! Ah! Uh... 
help us, Lord. But look, not everybody, not everybody that, that, that's an adult in this building is nearly 60 years old and way overweight and their body's all worn out and their throat's been destroyed from years of preaching. There's some of you got a whole lot more energy than what you're giving God right now. And you want to sit and shout amen while I point fingers at these young people. But why aren't you leading the way? Why haven't you been teaching them over the last several years? Why haven't you been showing them how it's done? Come on, don't tell them to worship. Show them how to worship. Come on, we gotta have church. We gotta have church. We gotta have church. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. I'm telling you, there's victory in the house. There's deliverance in the house if you want it tonight. Right now, God's honoring some members around here. And every member can get a hold of that same honor his glory's here if you want it
Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, 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 oh. oh Jesus Oh Jesus Oh Jesus 
love you, Savior. I love you, Savior. I want you to I want you to hear me. I know I know this using on so many is this is that on he can convince you matter then there's it doesn't, it's not going to affect anything whether you live for God or you live for God. You worship or you don't worship, whether you pray or you don't pray, it's not going to matter because you don't matter. That's, that's the way he works. I just felt impressed just now to just read you something from the Word of God. Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh, Glory in his presence. Here's what I felt today. 
God is ultimate wisdom chooses chooses to use the insignificant to bring about significance And I'm telling you, some of those of you that you feel like you're the least of anybody, you're the very lowest, I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't come in depressed about that. Because those are the very ones that God ends up putting his hands on and doing something through. It's those who think that they're capable and they think that they're able and they think that they're qualified. God can't use them. Because they're way too proud for God to do anything. Because he knows if he uses them, they're going to claim it was their ability. But God will take somebody that thinks they're a nothing. Listen, listen. Why do you think God waited 40 years from the time that Moses left Pharaoh's palace? Before he called him to lead the children of Israel. See, when he was walking the halls of Pharaoh's palace, Moses was somebody. Brother Jerry, he had a name. He had a title. He had a position. He had prominence. He had respect. He was somebody. But when he ran for his life, Because he'd killed an Egyptian and he was found out. Now all of a sudden he's a criminal running from the law. And he goes over to the backside of the desert. And he spends 40 years, doesn't even run his own business. He's working for his father-in-law. From the time he's 40 to the time he's 80. He's working for his father-in-law, tending his father-in-law's sheep. I'm going to tell you after 40 years, now being a shepherd in and of itself was a pretty degrading job. And especially in Egypt. Because shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. Are you following me? Are you understanding what I'm telling you? Moses was raised in an Egyptian's home. Moses was taught that shepherds are an abomination. Worst possible job a man could have, being a shepherd. That's the way he was raised. But when he ran for his life, it's the only job he could get. So he spent 40 years on the worst job on earth. And And that's why when God said, I've chosen you. He said, I, 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 I'm, um, 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 I, I, I can't even speak well, God. Well, it's a different Moses than what it had been 40 years ago. But when Moses became a nobody, then that matters to 
I don't have a Pentecostal pedigree. I had to go all the way back. I think it's sometime in the I want to say the late 1700s, early 1800s, to find any preachers of any kind in my family tree. I don't have a lineage. That, that, that preacher was a Methodist preacher. At least I assume it was, because his, his name was John Wesley Riggin. So I assume since they named him John Wesley, his mom was probably a pretty good Methodist. That's my guess. I didn't have a pedigree. I'm nobody. And I look around. And I see these great men of God that are doing tremendous works. Got large churches. And yet when God got ready to open a door of utterance in Africa, he didn't look to somebody. How valuable you are to God. And you don't understand the place that God has created for you in his if you just yield yourself to him and let him do what he wants to do in your life you'll be surprised how God can make a somebody out of a nobody let's lift our hands and love the Lord I'm, I'm done let's lift our hands praise God Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Praise God. Come on, do you appreciate what felt tonight? Holy Ghost that God is waiting to give us. He's waiting on us. He really is. He's waiting on us. We just got to make up our minds. We're going to make up our minds. We're going to do what's right. We're going to get in there and live for God. I told someone some days ago texting someone that was struggling and I just told him, I said, look, don't ever forget. You're not a failure until you quit trying. Just because you doesn't mean you're a failure. Poor is it. 
was citizen tried more than 900 combinations before he finally came up with the incandescent bulb. More than 900 things that didn't work. And they asked him, said, don't you, don't you feel like a failure? He said, no. He said, with each of those, I've, I've learned something. I've, I've learned something that doesn't work. So I know 900 things that don't work. I just keep trying until I find the one that does. And I'm telling you, you're not a failure until you stop. There's not a whole lot of difference between what Judas did and what Peter did. Judas, Judas sold the Lord for money. And Peter sold him for his own hide. Yeah, he did. I mean, he got to cussing to prove he wasn't a Christian. That's right. He's going to show him. I'm not, I don't know that man. I, I was not with that man. The Bible said he cussed. He's wanting to prove he wasn't with him. I'm going to tell you what he just did. He was just trying to save his own hide. He sold the Lord for his own safety. Judas was a failure. Peter was not. Because the Bible said Judas went out and hanged himself. He just gave up. He just quit. But Peter went out and wept bitterly. He repented. And God gave him another chance. As long as you're willing to weep bitterly over the things you do wrong, I'm telling you, God, the Bible says that a broken and a contrite spirit, God will not despise. You say, I just can't get through to God. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're not trying the right approach. Because the Bible says a broken and contrite spirit, he will not despise. You come to him sorry, you come to him broken, you come to him truly regretting what you've done, and God will not cast you out. That's Bible. So you failed and failed and failed and failed. You're still not a failure until you quit. So get the words that Mordecai wrote to Esther, who knoweth but walk thou into the kingdom for such a time as We're going to need you right now. God knew 